Good morning everyone, welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church, great to have you with us today. If you're visiting with us today, it's great to have you uh, in the service and we just pray that you stay tuned in to the end of the service. We've got a great message from Psalm 23, a reflection on uh, the words of David today. In fact, we're going to actually sing Psalm 23 as one of our worship songs today. I can't believe that this is the eighth Sunday of Church Online. Um, where have the weeks gone? Um, I was going to say, where have we been going? But we know where we've been going. Nowhere. <laughs> Stuck in the house. Um, but we're here today. We're here at Church Online. We're here to worship God. We're here to give him our praise, to give him thanksgiving, to give him honour, and really to worship him today. And I pray that that's our experience. I pray that that's your experience as you join in at home today. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place today. Lord, for your presence in our lives, in our families, in our homes. And Father, we just want to really be tuned in to what you uh, want to say to us today. Father, the things which you have for our hearts. Lord, food for our souls today. And Lord, we just pray that we would worship you with all that is within us. Father, worshipping you in spirit and in truth this morning. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Let's praise. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Your heart and lead me in your love to those 
Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you're at work in our lives. Father, that you are a holy God, that you are at work changing us into your likeness, changing us to be the way that you want us to be. And Father, we just pray that you'd help us to do that day by day. Father, we just thank you for your presence in our lives. And Lord, we just give you all the glory, all the honour, all this praise that's due your name. Father, we just thank you that you lead us, that you guide us, that you restore us, that you care for us. 
Father, that there's never a moment where you, you leave us. Father, you're always with us. Father, even in the darkest valley, even through the darkest times of life, you're with us. And Father, we just thank you for this reality. And Lord, we just pray that as we carry on in this service, Lord, that we would know uh, as we reflect on this psalm some of these truths in our lives. In Jesus' name we ask. Turning your Bibles to Psalm 23 in just a little minute, we're going to read that. Well, good morning and a welcome if you missed the first welcome. Great that you're joining in with us at Whitburn Pentecostal Church online today. Great to see you and uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, it's just great that you're here online with us. And uh, it's hard to believe that this is actually the eighth online service that we're doing. Um, the first one was in the church. And then since that, just trying to sort out some of the technical things, um, it was just much easier to, to do things here. And here we are. So we just batter on. We keep we keep on going with this. Um, looking forward to being back together again. Um, just really missing being with church. And I'm sure you're missing being with church as well. Um, so let's, let's just really pray that we uh, see an end to all the the, the situation that we face just now. Maybe we could just pray before we start today's message. Father, we thank you for your grace, for your goodness and your mercy. And Father, we just thank you that you know everything about us. Father, that you follow us, that you are there with us. Father, in every situation, in every circumstance, you're with us. And Father, we just pray that as we meditate on Psalm 23 this morning, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, that you would fill our thoughts and our minds with your word and the things which you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, I remember back in 2017, it was uh, the month of February, I was off uh, maybe for about a week in the life of the church, taking a break. Um, it was a much needed break, really. Um, and I remember just praying at the start of that, Lord, where should I be going into the scriptures? Because sometimes uh, as a pastor, you're in the scriptures and you're looking for messages and you're looking for things to encourage other people and share with others. And I just felt I wanted to spend some time with God, not needing to think about anything else other than feeding my own soul. And where I ended up uh, was in Psalm 23, and I began some reflections in Psalm 23. And that's it's really the thing that I want to talk about today. Our title is The Shepherd of the Flock. And really, God is the shepherd of the whole flock. Um, he, he is the one who, who leads us and who guides us. But I just wanted to share uh, a little uh, parody, if you like, of Psalm 23. Um, you know, this whole thing about uh, the, this, the psalm paints this picture of uh, being uh, made to lie down in green pastures and it's just this kind of pastoral type of psalm at the start. Um, but, but listen to this. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. 
Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Sometimes I kind of think life can be like that. We're under time pressure, we're under pressure to, to perform, to conform, and to be sometimes what God has never created us to be in the first place. And then we think about this psalm, Psalm 23. It's just such an incredible psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. What incredible words. We're going to think about this psalm in just a little minute. Um, And we're going to just walk through the psalm. Um, I I came across this picture. uh, One of my friends uh, in Canada uh, put this up on his Facebook. Um, Apparently a sheep which has left the flock. It got lost in the mountains for about six years. And as you can see, it's never been shorn. So this is uh, the result of uh, lockdown, if you like. This this is what would happen if you were a sheep in lockdown. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of aware that I'm needing uh, to get my hair cut. Um, I, I might need to end up going for a lockdown haircut, but we'll see. But I just wanted this to, to sort of spend a little bit of time walking our way through this psalm. It's just such a wonderful piece of literature written by uh, King David who started off as the shepherd, David being the the shepherd boy, he he was the the shepherd king ultimately and he knew how to look after sheep, how to uh, tend for them but then he took that on uh, into his uh, ministerial life if you like, his life as king, as leader and he endeavoured to look after people. Yes he made mistakes, don't we all, we all make mistakes at times. And so I want to just start off by thinking about the first part of the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And the thing that struck me as I meditated in this psalm was the fact that it begins with this two words, the Lord. The Lord, Jehovah. Jehovah is my shepherd. And I wonder if we can actually say today that he is Lord of every area of our lives. And I think it's only when he is Lord of every part of our lives, you know, that could be our work life, our family life, our financial life, our home life, um, our recreational life. If he is Lord of every area of our life, um, our thought life, if God is Lord of every area of our life, if we are fully surrendered to him, then we can experience what it's like to have a good shepherd. We tend to allow God limited access into our lives. We'll say to God, well, you come in this far, you can come in this far, but but this room here in my in my life, this, you know, if you can imagine it like a house where we have lots of rooms, you know how when we invite visitors into our house, there are some doors we keep shut because the room's a bit of a mess in there. And so when visitors come into our house, they have limited access. Um, and it's like that with God in our lives. We can say, okay, come into my life, I want I want to become a Christian, but we allow God limited access into our lives. And unless he is Lord of every area of our lives, then we're going to struggle in, in our Christian life. The Lord is, is our shepherd. If he is Jehovah, our Lord, and we allow him access to our lives, then he can be our shepherd. And David says he is my shepherd. My shepherd. It's very, very personal. 
And although God is the shepherd of the flock, Jesus is the chief shepherd, the shepherd of the whole flock, the church, we can say personally that he is my shepherd. And if we think about what it would mean to be a shepherd in David's time, you can imagine the shepherd going out with the sheep to find grazing and they wander off into the wilderness and the shepherd is the only person who's going to provide protection for the sheep. We can't imagine that world because we live in houses. Um, unless you go camping sometimes, you might get an idea of what it's like to sleep out at night and to hear all these kind of strange uh, sounds um, and just kind of wonder what's going on. But, but we're so protected, so it's hard for us to understand this analogy of sheep wandering out into the desert to find pasture, to be fed. The shepherd being the only means of protection. And if you think about David, David actually had to confront a lion and a bear in order to protect the flock. And so David is the first point of protection for the sheep, for his flock. And, and he's reflecting on God being his shepherd, his means of protection. And then we think about uh, him uh, leading uh, the sheep, us as sheep following the good shepherd. And I don't know if you've ever done this, where you've ever been in the car, you don't know where you're going, but you're going to follow somebody else. Have you ever been there? I remember this happening uh, way, way back in the early life of the church. We were going somewhere to do some kind of ministry thing. And we we were in the car, Mary and I, and we were following on some other people. And I remember saying uh, to the person who was going to be leading, don't go too fast because I've got an old car and it just can't go that fast and it will not keep up. Um, we were very young at the time and early on in our, our, our kind of married life. And, and here's the thing, the person in front did drive too fast and we ended up getting a bit lost. You know, I've, I've had that experience uh, where people have been following me in the car and you're, you're continually looking in that rearview mirror. You're making decisions for the person who's following you as well. So you're going to say, you know, you're coming up to a set of traffic lights and rather than saying, I'll get through that, I'll be fine, you're anticipating, are they going to change? Is the person going to get stuck behind the traffic lights while I'm on through? All that kind of stuff. And... God is our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. He's the one who's leading us. He's the one who knows the pace that we can go at. And what's incredible is that when he shepherds the flock, he's shepherding each of us as individuals. Unlike the shepherd in Scotland, the shepherd in the Middle East would actually lead the flock. He would walk in front of the flock. He would maybe have to come back and tap some of them to get them back into to the way but he would go in front of them and he would make a noise he'd maybe sing a little uh, lullaby type thing uh, he maybe have a whistle or particular sounds that he would use and the sheep would listen to that and they would recognize the voice of the shepherd and they would follow the shepherd and that's how God leads us we're, go we're going to come to to that in just a little second but God leads us and he guides us you know sheep have a real talent for getting lost Losing sight of the shepherd. And we're going to maybe talk about the lost sheep in another message because the Bible talks about that. Jesus uses a very uh, clear and specific analogy about that. But he goes on to say that he makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know about you, um, what kind of images that conjures up in your mind. Probably something like this, a very kind of uh, pastoral scene. 
the, the sheep out in the field. This is up in Aberfeldy area uh, on the farm at Mains of Murthley. Um, so if Callum, if you're listening, uh, these photographs are inspired, some of them are inspired by, by your farm. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about some of the words that is used in Psalm 23. Think about the words, he, he makes me lie down, he leads me, he restores me, he guides me, he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies and uh, uh, surely goodness and mercy follows me. All of these things are verbs and as I looked at this uh, psalm in a little bit more detail, I started getting into the words and, you know, what are the, the words that are used, the original Hebrew words, and what's their meaning and trying to understand them? And I found out that all of these verbs are in the imperfect tense. And I thought, well, that's not very good. Um, imperfect? God, does God ever do anything that's imperfect? No, he doesn't. But this is what it said in one of the commentaries that I read. The imperfect tense is used to describe a single as opposed to repeated action in the past. It differs from the perfect uh, in being more vivid and pictorial. The perfect expresses the fact. So, yep, he made me to lie down in green pastures. Yep, he led me to the quiet waters. Yep, matter of fact. But what the imperfect tense of the verb does is it adds colour and movement and suggests the process preliminary to its completion. And I just love that. I love the fact that these verbs which are used suggest the process of God uh, making us to lie down, of him leading us to quiet waters, of him restoring our soul, of him guiding us in paths of righteousness, and him preparing a table before us. All of these things which God does are about process all about process. And I, I love that about God. God is about process. He's in there in the process with us, changing us, shaping us, and forming us. And one of the things I've been thinking about just recently, maybe it's because I'm starting to plant little things in the garden, is that things by nature grow. We build buildings and there's a process in that, but there's something different about the process of growth. And that's what we're doing as Christians, we're in a process of growth, of being rooted in God and growing in fruitfulness. Think about this. Fed at green pastures yesterday and today. And also trusting God for tomorrow. Being fed and sorry, sorry, being led, sorry, to the to the quiet waters, places of refresh refreshing. Being restored, being guided in the right way. But it's all about what God is doing in the moment, in the process. But it's also about trusting him for the future. And we'll come on to that in a little second. Enough for today and not thinking about tomorrow. Trusting God for today. We think about lying down in green pastures. Scotland is a, a fantastically green place, as is Ireland. You know, it's... Our, our country is so green and it's such a privilege to, to be able to be out in our country. And there's a sense in which we, we can't understand the, the term green pastures that's used in the Bible. 
put a little thing up on Facebook quite a while ago, a number of months ago, a little video by Ray Vanderland and he talks about green pastures. It's actually shot in uh, the desert and you see the shepherd and the flock and him lead being uh, leading the sheep to green pastures. But he talks about what green pastures actually uh, means and it's incredible to get a Middle Eastern uh, mindset on that. What uh, Kenneth Bailey talks about uh, in, when he's talking about Psalm 23 in this particular part is, is how God gives us bread today that does not run out. You know, we, we actually pray this in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. And that can be physical provision, but it's also spiritual provision as well. Give us today our daily bread. And what Kenneth Bailey is saying is that, you know, give us the bread today that does not run out. Deliver us from the fear that we don't have enough tomorrow. And really, really that's what we're talking about here, being made to lie down in green pastures, places where we're fed, places where uh, we can get sustenance. And I, I kind of think that what we're talking about here is spiritual sustenance, the sustenance that we need for our very souls, because David goes on to say that he restores my soul. One of the many references uh, used to, to trusting God in the New Testament is found in uh, Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You can read that in Psalm 107 as well. You can read that again in Psalm 19 if you really focus in on the Psalms and what God says to us through the Psalms. But we also... Uh, I think about being led by quiet waters. Um, I, I talked about how uh, back in uh, February 2017 I was reflecting on this psalm. And I, I remember just sitting down in my living room, uh, just reflecting on what it means to be led, uh, to, to, to be made to lay, lie down in green pastures, uh, to be led beside quiet waters. And, and I pictured uh, a place in my mind where I've went often, um, this is uh, this is the place here um, on the screen. Uh, it's actually up at Denaira Estate. It's up in Perthshire. It's between Comrie and St Fillins. And as you can see, it's just such a beautiful place. And I just pictured myself in this place. Um, bear in mind, this is February. It's the middle of winter. Um, and it was pretty wild outside. And just to, to picture being sat down to be uh, laid down in, in green pastures and to, to hear the sounds and to smell the smells and there's just something about meditating on that psalm that restored my soul at that time. God just did a work in me and I encourage us to really think about scripture that way. Try to understand, try to picture the writer and what he's saying and his understanding of what he's saying and why he's saying it and who's reading it and how did they understand it. The Bible goes on to say in this psalm that he leads me beside quiet waters. This is a, a picture that I took down in Devon, uh, just of a fish just just moving around in, in the quiet waters. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, let's, let's stop talking about fish because I want to go fishing, but that's another story. Let's start getting back to sheep again. You know, I don't know if you've ever looked at sheep, uh, studied sheep, that they're really quite strange they look a bit odd and they come across as being quite dumb. And the Bible talks about us being like sheep. Uh, well, what does that say? <laughs> um, but let's think about this for a second. The, the reality is that sheep are not stupid. They're very careful. They're very cautious. 
And if you can imagine a sheep uh, being near a place where there's fast flowing water, it's in danger. If it falls in there, it's really going to be in trouble. It's likely to drown. But the, the shepherd brings us to places where there are quiet waters, where there are still waters, places where we can be refreshed and where we can feel our soul being restored, where we can feel safe. And that's, I think, one of the things uh, that we need to think about in this psalm, is that God knows when we need refreshing. He knows when we need that touch and he will lead us to that place. Remember, he's got to be Lord of our lives before he can be our shepherd. And he wants to make us to lie down in green pastures. He wants to lead us to quiet waters so that we can be refreshed. I think the church, you know, we've sung about this in the past, you know, you know, times of refreshing. I don't know if you remember that song we used to sing. I think it's time to be refreshed. Not to sing about being refreshed, but to be physically, emotionally and spiritually refreshed. I don't know about you, I'm ready for God to do some refreshing in the church these days. David goes on to say that he restores my soul. He restores my soul. And, you know, I I just kind of think about this image. It's from a movie uh, and we were kind of trying to replicate this whole idea of what it is to be restored, just to, to, to be at peace and to be at rest. But actually, the word restore means to bring back. It means to turn back or to return or to bring back. And the shepherd goes after the sheep. And really, it's a picture of God's grace that reaches out to a lost world and even to, at times, lost Christians. Christians can lose their way. They can lose touch with the shepherd and they can totally uh, lose track. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever noticed a sheep that's lost, it makes a lot of noise. It's bleating and bleating and bleating and it's trying to get the attention of the shepherd, saying, I'm lost, I'm lost, come and find me. But the problem is that when it makes a lot of noise, the enemy can hear it as well. The lion can come and hear, oh, there's a shepherd, uh, there's a sheep that's, uh, that's, that's stuck, that's lost, that's easy pickings for me. And if you think about this, it's the same for Christians. Christians who get lost, who lose their way, who lose connection with the flock, who lose connection with the shepherd, and maybe make a lot of noise about it in the process, are prey for the enemy. The Bible says that the devil is our enemy that he comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But the good shepherd of our soul comes to give us life in all its fullness. The good shepherd goes out to find the sheep. He goes out to find the one that's lost and he brings it back. And also, it goes on to say that he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's think about this for a little second. He guides me in paths of righteousness, even for his name's sake. And this is the the photograph that I used, uh, just kind of going down the path towards Aberfeldy there. It's probably quite an unhelpful image in one sense when we think about what actually paths meant for a shepherd and his sheep back in uh, Hebrew times and Bible times. And this is actually taken from Ray Vanderland's uh, little video. I'll put a link to it on Facebook. But you can actually see the paths going round the hillside here. Well-worn paths where a sheep can be on one side of the path feeding and then another sheep on the other side, the, the, the lower path feeding. And the, the sheep can actually feed and graze the hillside. And as a flock, they can go along the hillside and graze. He leads us in paths of righteousness even for his name's sake. And, and I just find that incredible that, that God leads us 
along paths which are going to help us to live the right way, to make the right decisions, to make the right choices. But we need to have God as Lord of our life. We need to be following the shepherd. We need to allow ourselves to be uh, made to lie down in green pastures. We need to allow ourselves to be led to quiet waters. We need to allow the shepherd to restore our soul. We need to allow the shepherd to guide us in paths of righteousness. And then we think about this part of the, the psalm where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And whether it's green pastures or still waters, or even the darkest valley, God is with us. And we need to understand that. God is with us. The good shepherd is interested in the sheep. Sometimes we feel that when we're not on those paths of righteousness, we've maybe made decisions and that have led us to doing things or thinking things or watching things on the internet that are not helpful for us. And we think when our lives are in a mess, that's the time when we need to hide and run away from the shepherd. And I've seen this time and time again where people have made some mistakes and they run away from the church. But it's actually the time where they should be coming to the church And coming into that place of fellowship and into that place of restoration. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, God leads us, God is there with us. In the same way that he led us to the still waters, making us lie down in green pastures, restoring our soul. All of these wonderful things that we experience in the same way, when we are in our darkest moment, he is there with us in that moment, whatever moment you're in today, whether it's a financial moment, a family moment, an ill health moment, wherever you find yourself today, God is in that moment with you. He's in the dark valley with you. And he invites you to follow him, to listen to the voice of the shepherd, to listen for him. This phrase Uh, shadow of death appears so many times in the Bible. It appears lots and lots of times in the book of Job. If you've read Job, you'll understand why. But it also appears in the book of Isaiah in chapter 9 verse 2, where it says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. It's talking about Jesus being the light. The people who were in darkness have seen the Messiah coming. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And that light is Christ. That light gives us hope. That light draws us in. You know, you just think about that. If you see a light in a dark place, like maybe I look out my window at night and I see a light. We sometimes see odd lights flashing. Maybe maybe there's some people out lamping in the, the, one of the fields over in the distance and you can see it. You see the, the torch swiveling around it and it draws your eye. It attracts you when you're in a place of darkness. And Jesus wants to be that light to you and to I. He wants to be that light to the world. Even in the darkest of times. Even when maybe death casts its shadow over us that And it might be that we've experienced the death of somebody in our family, somebody close. We might even be in that place where we experience the shadow of death for ourselves. And we experience maybe some scary times. But God says, I am with you. 
He is there. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And just thinking about that, the rod and the staff, you know, I puzzled about this. What does the psalm actually mean by this? And so I began to research what it means by the rod and the staff. You see, I guess I have a negative association with the term rod. I think because the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child, that's that's something that you associate with pain and with punishment. And so when you read that word, you you can think, well, uh, you know, is God wanting to beat me up with a rod? But the more I looked into it, the more I realised that actually the rod is for protection from the outside, whereas the staff is to guide us on the inside. Now there's an argument that could say that the rod and the staff are the same implement, maybe just used for different purposes, and that could be true. But I also, in my research, discovered that the rod was like a a, a shorter piece of wood with a kind of bulbous part in the end, maybe where the root of the tree would have been. And the, the shepherd would, would dig up this tree, would round off that kind of clump at the end, so it would form like a, like a club type of thing, and he would hang that club from his belt, and he would be able to use that club to fend off the enemy. And as I think about this, why does the rod and staff comfort David? Because he re- realises that that rod is for his protection, to ward off the enemy. And we need to understand something here, that God is there to Ward off the enemies that come into our lives. Ward off the destructive things that come into our lives. And so there's a certain positive connotation to the word rod when we read it in the context of the shepherd. The rod protects from the outside, whereas the staff guides on the inside. Jesus invites you in. Jesus invites you to be part of the flock, to be part of the family of God, to be led by him, so that in every experience we have, throughout life, we can know his presence with us. The Amplified Version is quite helpful in getting us to understand this. It says your rod, in brackets, to protect, and your staff to guide. They comfort and console me. What is the the staff all about, it's about guiding us and it's about keeping us in the right way. And we think about a shepherd's staff, we think about the, the kind of crooked end and now um, a rod in, uh, in, in Bible times might have looked like that but not necessarily, it could have been just like a straight uh, rod. But we think about that, the, the rod could be used to kind of tap in a sheep that's wandering off the path, you know, get yourself back in here a wee bit. You're, you're wandering off the track a wee bit. Get yourself back in. And, and I think God can do that with us. He can do that uh, to, to bring us back into the way that we should be on. So the staff is about guiding. It's about guiding us. Why? Because I think we get so busy, like sheep. And I'd, if you've ever watched sheep, watch watch them grazing and you'll see it. I watched sheep just uh, maybe a couple of months ago grazing in a field, all with their heads down, munch, 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 munch. There were some sheep which were up, kind of eyeballing me and saying, what's this guy up to? Some sheep which were lying down, but you, you watch the sheep and their, their, their heads are down, and they're munch, munch, munching on the grass until they hear something and maybe kind of like uh, their, their, their ears prick up, they, they kind of come up and have a look around and see what's happening. But if you think about that, 
we as sheep, to use that analogy, can be so busy with our heads down, with our noses down, looking out for ourselves, chasing after the bigger house, the better car, the cooler clothes, the bigger TV, the latest gadget, all of these things that we think we need and we can take our eyes off the shepherd. Christians, I challenge you today, we can be so busy looking out for ourselves that we've lost sight of the shepherd and we've lost sight of the flock, we've lost sight of the sheep, our brother and our sister and we can be wandering off into our own thing and before we know it, we'll be lost and we'll be bleating away and we'll be calling out to the shepherd and we'll have disconnected ourselves from the flock, disconnected ourselves from the shepherd and we'll be easy pickings for the enemy. I think this is why the Bible says don't neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Because you become easy pickings for the enemy. So the staff is there to guide us back in. The rod is there for our protection against the enemy. And what's amazing is that God is the shepherd of the entire flock. Globally, throughout time and history, God is the shepherd of the whole flock. I find that astounding, that God knows each one of us, like a shepherd in Middle Eastern times would know each one of his sheep, maybe he would have a nickname for them, and he would know each sheep individually. And when uh, the, one of the other uses of the rod would be to count the sheep uh, for for the, the, the tithe, so uh, the, the, the sheep would pass under the rod and the shepherd would count every tenth one, regardless of uh, you know if it was the best sheep or whatever, every tenth one would be taken for the tithe. So there's a sense in which God looks after us and, and, and he cares for us and wants to uh, to be with us. I need to move on because we're running out of time. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and my cup overflows. Sorry, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Um, and it becomes clear to me um, that all the time... Uh, we, we don't, uh, sorry, it becomes clear to me all the time that we do not live perfect lives free from danger. That's what I'm trying to say. Excuse the gaffes. Um, just trying to get used to uh, preaching without an audience. We often pray that God will keep us safe. And I think sometimes God is more interested in the process of the development of our soul, the growth of our soul, the growth of our spirit than he is in keeping us safe. And I think we, we, we look at the world that we live in and we can see that. Christians aren't always protected and safe and snuggled up in their little uh, fluffy blanket. That's not how God works. God calls us to live as soldiers, to live uh, dangerously sometimes and not to necessarily be safe. And there's always an enemy around, somebody or someone or something that presents as an enemy, either to our body, to our soul or to our spirit. On Good Friday, we thought about the Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. Think about that. Stop to think about that. Stop to think about what this psalm's saying. Let me go back to this particular slide. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus... At the Last Supper, that Passover Supper, when he was taking up the elements of the Passover, 
all the different aspects of that, the, the various cups, the, the matzo, um, uh, the bitter herbs, and all the different things that, 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 that would have been part of that, all the time with his disciples, knowing that one of them was going to betray him. A table set before him in the presence of his enemies. And if that's what Jesus experienced, is life going to be any different from us, for us? We experience the same things. We experience danger. We experience things that put us, what we feel, at risk. I'm going to go on, and because time's marching on, and just kind of go on and finish off this little reflection. And it says at the, the latter half, the latter end of the psalm, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, there's a progression of thought here. If you look at the whole psalm, there's a progression of thought. David at the start, David in the middle, David at the end. But in the middle of these three sections is the work that God is doing in him. He starts off in the green pastures, the still waters and the soul being restored. Then he's sitting down at a table in the presence of his enemies. Life isn't always rosy and great and good. And then ultimately we come to this place where he says, surely goodness and love or mercy, depending on what translation you read, will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a sense in which we have this eternal perspective that this life isn't all that it's about. There's much more to this life than the life of the body. As Paul talked about this tent that we live in, there's much more to life than that. There's more to life. There's an eternal aspect to life. As my friend Peter Cochran would say, I'm a spiritual being trapped inside a body. There is a spiritual part of us that God wants to bring alive. And if you've never made a decision to become a Christian, then that spiritual part of you, the Bible says, uh, remains dead. It remains dead in sin. And what God wants to do is come and to massage that, to breathe life into you, to give you that uh, jolt that you need to put his spirit within you and to give you life. God, when we become a Christian, God comes into our life through his Holy Spirit. Absolutely incredible. So that regardless of what's happening in our lives, we know that he is there with us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. David went from the field to the forefront. What does it say? There is still the youngest that Jesse answered when David was being anointed as king, but he is tending the sheep. So they call David in and Samuel the priest comes and anoints him with oil, anoints him to become the next king of Israel. He went from the field to the forefront. And we can see that in this progression of thought in the psalm. He went from the pastures to the palace. He went to a place where a table was set uh, for him in the presence of his enemies and one of his enemies was the king at the time, King Saul and if you read the accounts in the book of Samuel Saul actually picked up a javelin and he threw it at David fortunately it missed David was able to dodge it and the javelin went into the wall David knew what it meant to have a table set before him in the presence of his enemies 
from the field to the forefront, from the pastures to the palace, but then from the palace to the presence of the King of Kings. What the Bible talks about for the Christian is an eternal hope, an eternal security, an eternal salvation, that our spirit will live on. When this body dies, the spirit will live on in eternity with God. In fact, the Bible goes on to say that there will come a day where the dead in Christ will rise, where we will be resurrected, like Jesus' resurrection, we will be raised to life. And we'll know what it means to live in the presence of God and to see God and to be part of what God is doing fully. There's this progression of thought in the psalm, but there's a progression for us. Where are we at today as a Christian? Maybe today you're saying, I need to be beside those quiet waters. I need to be in the green pastures. I need to be in that place where God restores my soul. Can I encourage you to meditate on this psalm and to just reflect on it and to ask God to come and to lead you to that place and to restore you, to refresh you, to give you what you need? Maybe today you're in that place where you you feel that you're in the presence of your enemies. Maybe there's stuff happening in your life and that could be in your own family where you sit down at the table And there's an uncomfortableness at your table. God can come into that situation as well. And he can bring his grace and mercy and goodness into that place. God can bring the healing and restoration in the relationship that you're struggling with today. God can do that. God can bring that healing and that restoration. For some people, maybe you're at the latter half of life and you you worry about death And it feels like you're walking through that valley of the shadow sometimes. And you can be fearful and you can worry. But I think the Good Shepherd is calling you to trust him because he's with you in the valley. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's with you in the valley of the shadow of death. Maybe you're experiencing that today where you have experienced grief even just recently. And you walk through that valley and you wonder where God is, let me assure you that God, as the Good Shepherd, is right there with you. He's right there with you. Make no mistake, he's there. And so today, I just want us to reflect on these words. I want us to be encouraged by these words. I want us to think about the Good Shepherd, the Shepherd of the sheep. Is he Lord of your life? When he is Lord of every aspect of your life, if you can open up the door of your home and have every door open so that your visitors can go into any room, that's what God wants to do for you, to do for your life, is to make you totally clean and refreshed and pure and holy and set apart for him. So be encouraged by this today, church. Those who are tuning in who are not part of Whitburn Pentecostal Church, be encouraged by this today. The Lord calls out to you today and he says to you, maybe for some people you've wandered off like the prodigal son that the Bible talks about. We'll preach about that another time soon. Maybe you've wandered off and God is saying to you, you need to be part of, part of a flock. You need to be part of a local church. So many people tuning into services online. God is saying to you, get into a local church, get yourself rooted, get yourself established and get yourself functioning in that local church. Maybe you've never made a decision to become a Christian today. And I'm going to pray a prayer in just a little minute. And I want you to pray that prayer after me, either out loud or into your own heart. And invite God into your life. Invite the Good Shepherd 
into your life. So let's just pray as we finish off. Father, we thank you for this psalm. We thank you for the Good Shepherd. We thank you that he is Lord of our lives, that he leads us, that he guides us, that he restores us, that he refreshes us, that he follows us. His goodness, his grace, his mercy follows us. And Father, that there is a sense in which we can trust you not only for today, but we can trust you for tomorrow. And Father, help us to be people who trust you for tomorrow. Maybe some, for some of us, we need to just trust you afresh with our finances for tomorrow. And Father, we pray that you would be our provider. You are our provider. And we pray that we would experience your provision. And I pray for those who may be struggling financially today. Father, that you would pour that provision into their hand, into their heart, into their house, in order that they might be a blessing to others And Father, we just pray that you would fill our hearts with your presence, with your spirit. Father, encourage those who are going through the shadow, the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, that you would be a light to them in dark places. And just as we finish off today, if you've never made a decision to become a Christian, I want to invite you to pray this prayer after me. Just bow your head, close your eyes, and just repeat these words into your heart as you say them within yourself or out loud. Whatever, God will hear your prayer. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. Maybe I have been like the black sheep in my family. I pray that you would come and that you would make me clean that you would forgive me for my sin, that you would lead me into your green pastures, that you would lead me and guide me, that you would be Lord over my life. I invite you to come into my life, to take control of my life, every part, every area open where you can be Lord and be my shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, let us know. WhitburnPentecostal.com is our website. Go on to that. There's a section where you can contact us. Send us a message. We have some things that we want to post out to you uh, just to encourage you on that journey. And I just say to the church, be blessed today. Be blessed this week. Um, we, we just need to continue to pray and ask God to do the things which he wants to do in us, in our fellowship, and our families at this time. So the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord protect you, the Lord make his face shine upon you, the Lord encourage you, the Lord just be everything to you that you need and just have a great week in Jesus' name.